It's the final days of six-year no-interest financing at Palo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Upgrade that leaky, squeaky patio door from just $84 a month. Set your free consultation now at 855-PALA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. As we've been saying all morning, we are waiting for Aaron Rodgers to speak. We're being told that uh, the first practice of the Green Bay Packers training camp is just wrapping up now and um, I'm being told like the TV cameras are setting up and we anticipate in the next few minutes Aaron Rodgers will be addressing the media um, for really the, the first time since all the hullabaloo broke out you know several months ago I know that he's made a couple media appearances all right here we go this is the press conference everybody matters that's what I said that's what he said no Bob Bonoski either. Slow. Did you do anything fun this summer? Yeah, I did. Uh, Hawaii, I guess that was still kind of spring. Summer was a uh, match. Tahoe. Those are fun. That was kind of fun. Lake Powell. A little hot Lake Powell, but it was fun. Aaron, are we starting, Nate? Yeah, oh, we're starting. Okay. Oh, okay. So. Aaron, what was this all about for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. Um, I think you know there was uh, a lot of things that transpired. This wasn't uh, you know a draft day uh, thing. You know, uh, this was uh, started with a conversation in February um, that the season ended. And I just expressed, you know, my desire to be uh, more involved in conversations directly affecting my job. Um, also, uh, I wanted to help the organization maybe learn from them some of the mistakes in the past, in my opinion, about the way that some of the uh, outgoing veterans were treated, um, and just the fact that we didn't retain uh, a number of uh, players that I felt like were core players to our foundation, our locker room, high character guys. I'm talking about Charles Woodson, Jordy Nelson, Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews, Randall Cobb, James Jones, um, John Kuhn, Brett Good, TJ Lang, Brian Balaga, Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde, guys who were you know, exceptional players for us, but great locker room guys, high character guys, many of them who weren't offered a contract at all or were extremely low-balled, or were, you know, maybe in my opinion, not uh, given the respect on the way out that guys of their status and stature and high character deserved. Um, and then it kind of progressed from there into a commitment for the 2021 season and beyond. Uh, that really wasn't uh, given at any time. So for me, I had to assess the situation, not necessarily wanting to be a lame duck quarterback, especially after an MVP season, which I think you can understand. Um, and then the other part uh, in, in February was wanting to be a part of conversations involving free agents. 
uh, which has never happened in my career. Um, you know, I've I've trained with a number of NFL guys most of my career in the off seasons. Um, my agency at the first has had a number of high draft picks over the years. Uh, I've tried to pass along information. Um, hasn't really been uh, used, shall we say? Um, so I wanted to offer my services as a recruiter, you know. Uh, and I think we can all understand, you know, Green Bay isn't, uh, uh, you know, a huge vacation destination. People are coming here to play with me, uh, to play with our team, and, and knowing that they can win a championship here. And the fact that I haven't been used in those discussions was one I wanted to change moving forward. And I felt like based on my years, uh, the way I can still play, that that should be a natural part of the conversation. Um, as that progressed from that point, nothing really changed on that front. Um, so we got into March, and the conversation changed. Um, as I felt like, uh, if you can't commit to me past 2021, and I'm not a part of recruiting processing for agency, if I'm not a part of the future, then instead of letting me be a lame duck quarterback, if you want to make a change and move forward, then go ahead and do it. Um, that obviously didn't happen. Uh, like I said, it wasn't a draft day thing. There were conversations for uh, a number of months leading up to that. Post the draft, I think what basically happened was then they said, uh, you know, we'll, we'll give you some, we'll give you some money now. Let's see if we can throw some money at you. I said from the start it wasn't about the money. Um, obviously, I didn't show up for the off-season program or minicamp. To me, it was bigger than this. It was about uh, trying to be a resource for the organization that I care about and love so much. Um, so when the money came at me, the other part is, the backstory to that is, you know, after the season, there was a part of me that did think that there would be conversation about an extension. You know, based on my cap number this season, next season, it seemed natural based on the way I played to at least have a conversation about it. It wasn't a conversation. Uh, not until into May. And that, to me, seemed like uh, an analogy that you guys understand. You guys have a fantastic year at work. You write some great stories. You go to your boss and say, I just had an incredible year. I think I deserve a pay raise or, uh, you know, some security. And the boss says, yeah, let's just see how it goes. A couple months down the line, you get another job opportunity, you go back to your boss and say, hey, I got this amazing job opportunity. And they say, whoa, 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 no, 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 we, we love you. We, want you to, we do want you to stick around. We, you know, we, do, we do care about you. Just have the same uh, feeling. You know? and so you know, I, I said it wasn't about the money, and, and the way that felt you know, kind of just doubled down on that. Uh, nothing really changed throughout the summer. Uh, there were some obviously some developments in the last week or so, but you know I was really working on myself and my own mental state throughout the summer, and, and uh, at, at various points deciding if I wanted to even keep playing. But uh, you know the fire still burns, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to be on a football team, and um, we got some things figured out in the last few days, and I'm here. Let's go one time. Y'all get a chance. Does the Randall Cobb move, is that, not that's the answer, but is it surely that there's a step in the right direction from the organization's part to listen to you and respect your thoughts on personnel? Well, look, I'm really excited Randall's coming back. Uh, he's obviously a dear friend and a guy I still believe in that can really play. 
he falls into that category that I mentioned earlier of guys who left here um, who were high-character guys. Um, it's the desire that I've talked about before to finish as a Packer that's always been really important to me. And it's important to those guys as well. The guys I mentioned, I talked to the majority of them this offseason because I wanted to hear their experience and how they felt leaving the team and the way it went down. So I had all the information. And I think there's a sadness underneath it all. Um, obviously, there's a sadness when your career ends, but a sadness that uh, things went down the way they went down um, for a team that they cared about and loved and put their bodies on the line for for so many years. So to get Randall back is really special. Um, it's something that uh, that I talked about back in February, wanting to to bring in a true slot receiver. I thought would uh, make our offense more dynamic, and I think Randall's a dynamic player. He has been when he's been healthy. Aaron, was there a point over the last few months when you seriously considered retirement that this might you might have and and at what point did you change your mind and decide to actually come back? Yeah, there was definitely something I thought about. Um, you know, I talked about how important being a full timer was for a, lo a long time. This was the first time to to spend the offseason away uh, without a COVID year or a lockout year. Um, and I enjoyed it. You know, I really did. I, I took time working on myself and, and trying to, to better myself in a number of areas where I feel like I could improve based on my own patterns and conditioning. Um, and it was a lot, of, a lot of growth in that process. I continued to find joy and happiness and things off the field. Uh, however, there's still a big competitive hole in my body that I need to fill. And as I got back into my workouts, um, I just realized that I know I can still play, and I want to still play. And as long as I feel like I can give 100% uh, to the team, then I should still play. Yeah, do you expect to be a Packer next year? What would it take for you to be one next year? Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, I think things are uh, in that in that uh, direction haven't really changed um, at all. I think. Uh, I'm just going to focus on this year. There's a lot of moving pieces besides myself, um, expiring contracts for a number of guys. So there's going to be a lot of tough decisions at the end of the year. Um, I'm just going to enjoy this year and then revisit that conversation at the end of the season. Aaron, you said many times and you reiterated it's always been your goal to finish your career as a Packer. Do you hope that this progresses to a point where you feel all right with that moving forward? You said focus on this year, but you still stand by what you said year after year you want to finish. I did, but as you recall, uh, I said last year that there's some things that might be out of my hands at this point. And, you know, based on the, them drafting my replacement, uh, J-Lo, last year, um, I think that kind of put things in motion. Um, based, the way, based on the way the season went last year, there was nothing in last season that made me uh, confident that, I'd be back after 21, and maybe even not after 20, 2020. Um, thought we could progress some of those conversations with maybe a greater commitment during the off season. Uh, like I said, that didn't really didn't happen, but uh, that's why I just have to focus on this season. And uh, I love this team. I love the you know the fans and the opportunity to play on Lambeau Field has been a dream come true. To be in my 17th season is really special. Um, I don't take that for granted. I'm not a victim here at all. I just want to reiterate that. Like I've been paid a ton of money by this organization. I'm so thankful to be a starter here for my 14th season. Uh, not many guys have the opportunity to do that. So I'm not. Uh, I don't feel like anything's been done to me. There is. It's, it's a business. You know. It's an. It's an incredible opportunity to play this game. Uh, it's a tough business too, though, and this is part of it. Um, 
so I, I, I totally get that point, and that's that's not lost on me. Um, that's why I'm just going to enjoy this season like I did last year, have the right perspective, and and then make decisions at the end of the season. How about the recall on this? How about the recall on this? You came here, I think it was 2018. Her cousins have got his deal, and Matthew got his deal. And so these guys were asking me, you know, hey, and he's, you know, it's going to come. I'm not going to about the money. But I thought I remember you saying, you know, I'm looking for a partnership. Is that accurate? Because it wasn't long after they got the deal. And then six months later on a Monday, they said they called you on you said they called you on a golf course and said it's Maple Short on the Is that the kind of thing we're talking about and did way after that? Yeah, well I wouldn't call that a partnership, that, that part of it. I mean that, I wasn't involved in those conversations at all. Um, I talked to Matt after the deal had already been in place to hire him as a coach. Um, so I wasn't part of that conversation. You know, let's just make that completely clear. Um, I do love Matt, and we've had a blast together, and I'm glad he's here. Um, but it, it's decisions like that that have happened over and over and over again that make me realize that the organization looks at me and my job is just to play. In my opinion, based on what I've accomplished in this league, uh, the way I care about my teammates, the way I show up in the locker room, the way I lead, the way I conduct myself in the community, you should tie myself to a little bit more input. The rules, you know, are the same for most people, but every now and then there's some outliers, you know, guys who've been in an organization for 17 years and won a few MVPs where they can be in conversations at a different higher level. Um, I'm not asking for anything that other other great quarterbacks across uh, across the last few decades have not gotten, you know, the opportunity to just be in conversation. You know, so if you're going you're gonna to cut a guy who, based on a meritocracy, was our second best receiver in training camp last year for the majority of camp. Maybe run it by me, see what I feel. I might be able to change your mind. But at least to be in a conversation makes you feel like you're important, you're respected. And that's what I tried to convey in February and for the first couple months. But no, it hasn't been that. That's just the way they do it. You know, I don't necessarily agree with it, but Objectively, there's been a lot of success here over the last 30 years. Um, I just wanted to be a little bit more involved, uh, and I understand that uh, that's not uh, the way it went. So, Aaron, do you know that you not get any of those? I mean, all these things are reasonable things to want to be. Any of these things, did they give you anything or say anything like, yeah, we're going to do this, or is it just the same as it always was? Uh, I'm not sure, Rob. At this point, um, I can only say one of the things was to be involved in free agency. Um, I mean, just talk to Preston Smith, you know, why he came here and why he actually took a pay cut to re-sign. You know, he knows that we got an opportunity to win a championship when I'm playing. Um, and it, it's a sentiment that's, that's echoed by other players across the league who hit me up that I'm friends with that want to come or get traded or, you know, come to Green Bay. They want to be a part of an opportunity to win a championship. Um, and that's why I just wanted to make myself available, you know, to have those conversations, to be maybe something that tips it over the edge if you're trying to sign a specific guy. Um, so that wasn't uh, a part of that wasn't part of March at all. If they had shown security or you know given you some assurances ahead that you would be here for several years, how would they do that financially, given their salary cap situation and not? 
being in a situation where when you retire, they would be $70 million yeah. under the cap. How would you have done that? Yeah, it's a good question, Spoon. I think there's ways of doing that, um, you know, through uh, signing bonuses and stuff that can that can lessen the load for sure. Um, but there wasn't a commitment past 2021. 20, um, you know, there was conversation about that I know you guys were all talking about, about, uh, you know, moving salary around um, through a restructure uh, to to open up some cap space for sure. Obviously, with the salary cap going down from the 190s to 182, they had the, I think everybody's contract who had a contract basically got restructured in some way. Um, it was more just the approach uh, to not mention anything past 2021 made me feel like that I wasn't in the future plans, which again, I get it. It's a business, you know, and I'm, I'm not a victim here. Uh, I've made a ton of money here, and I've been really fortunate to play a long time and to play here. Um, at the same time, I'm still competitive, and I still feel like I can play. I proved it last year. So I felt like making a commitment past the 2021 season was not a not a big deal. Um, and there are ways to do that. Uh, that wasn't uh, necessarily accomplished, um, and so that's why we're here. Aaron, you said back in March that the team, you, you basically came to a conclusion that, okay, if you're not going to commit to me beyond the season, like, let's just move on now. The Packers were very steadfast, both publicly and privately, to other teams. We're not trading him. Do you want to be here right now? I do. I do. I love my teammates. I love the city. I love my coaches. Um, you know, it's, it is a lot of fun to be back here. And like I said, I'm competitive. And I realize the type of team that's in place here. Um, it's a team that's uh, has a lot of talent on it. It's been close the last couple of years, so I, I'm definitely excited about this season. I've had a lot of great conversations over those the last two weeks with uh, various teammates, past and present, and it's definitely uh, refueled the fire uh, to go out and and lead and perform at my at my best. Um, I felt really good today after a long uh, hiatus, just being back out there and feeling. Uh, like the rhythm and the timing and the accuracy was where I wanted to be. So I feel really good about uh, being back. It's fun to see a lot of the guys to walk in the locker room. Uh, you know, it's strange after so many months, but uh, but it's fun to see the guys, see the old guys, the trainers, equipment staff, Andy Gruber. I just gave him a hug. I hadn't seen him. He wasn't here all last year. So there's a lot of fun things about being back, and I understand the opportunity that's here. Aaron, how would you characterize your relationship with Ryan Gutekinds, where that is today? And, and was there ever a point this offseason where you asked for his removal from the show? Uh, no, and I would say it's uh, professional at this point. Eric, you mentioned here today you strongly considered retirement this sorry, that, that, yeah, you considered retirement this offseason. For that to change in the last week, uh, what transpired? And is it as simple as um, doing something, going out and getting around without the proof that it's not mere words to get you back in the building? Yeah, I mean, that definitely was, was important to me. Uh, but again, I think it was conversations with some former teammates uh, that I had. You know, a lot of those guys I mentioned are retired and talking to them about their retired life and picking their brains about what it looks like uh, was was good for me. Uh, also wanted to see how my body responded after some of the intense training uh, over the last couple of months, and I felt really good. Anything you talked about that kind of refueled your fire, those conversations, anything that stood out, anything that anyone shared? No, I'm not going to share that.
there's, there's been a lot here to digest, but one thing I'm not clear on, did you get the right to basically decide where you're going to play next year if you choose to play? Uh, no, that's not what I've, uh, I've been told to understand, no. Aaron, with all of these uh, different reports that are coming out this offseason, some of the people speaking for you, what would you say is the biggest misconception about this entire process? That the media loves to make stories when there's not enough content to put out there. And look, I realize, you know, there were times I could have said something, but I firmly believe that there is wisdom in silence. And also, I love this, I love this city and this organization. And I didn't want to get into a pissing match with a team that's employed me for 16 years, paid me a lot of money. I felt like handling things behind closed doors was the right way to do it. Um, there were some leaks for sure. I can promise you, uh, I didn't have a part in any of those. Um, my representation has assured me the same thing. Um, I don't know what benefit uh, would, would would be given to me by releasing any details about a restructured contract for me, about uh, leaking stuff on draft day. Uh, I don't understand the motivation behind that, but look, I, I, I believe that the right way to do it was to have conversations with those people, both in person, Zoom, on the phone, behind uh, uh, behind closed doors, as they say, and um, didn't want to get into uh, you know an argument in the public with a team that I really care about. And you mentioned this offseason was different. Just how different was it? Not being in OTAs for the first time in 16 seasons, how did that benefit? How did that what? Benefit. Shoot, it was great. <laughs> 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 Look, like I said, I think it's important that we work on our mental state. And as you've seen with Simone Biles, I think there needs to be more conversation around uh, around that. Uh, we as athletes um, are often put on a pedestal. That we're not, uh, that we're beyond any, uh, you know, mental hindrances or clutter, and the only time that mental health often gets talked about is when it's under the conversation of depression. Um, I didn't have any depression, um, but I have a ton of respect for people who speak out in those situations. For me, it was just about clearing any of the clutter, and that's what I tried to do this off season by adjusting some habits and spending time with my loved ones. Uh, traveling uh, as safely and as often as I possibly could, and then making sure I was ready to go uh, if I if I came back. Why do you want to be involved in some of these personnel decisions? Uh, on some of these, you would have been wrong. I think the guys didn't have great years when they left here, or they got a lot of money, and it ended up being cap hits. You know, if the Packers didn't decide. Uh, to move on from far, if you wouldn't have been here either, or you, you might not be staying where you are here. Why do you want to get involved in all that? Well, I mean, I respect the question, Spoon, and I think there's a lot of hypotheticals based on different things. Um, I understand that I'm here because Ted Thompson took a shot on me, but also can't compare the two situations when you look at the last years of Favre's career uh, here based, uh, you know, comparing to mine, especially leading up to 2005, it was a different situation. When it comes to personnel stuff, it's not all personnel stuff that I'm talking about. I just want to be involved in conversations that affect my ability to do my job, and it's not all personnel. But 
I think I have a unique perspective being in a locker room and having been the starter here for 13 years and being here for 16 years. There's not many people who've been in a position of influence longer than I have in this building. So it gives me a unique perspective to shed light on how things work together. Uh, one of the most important things is chemistry and cohesion in an organization, and I think I can offer an interesting perspective. It's not where I need to have final say on anything. I never asked for that. I just want to be in a conversation. I'm interested in how they look at certain players and if they value character, if they value chemistry, if they value what they bring to the locker room. Um, and I think, yeah, some of those guys might not have had great seasons other places, but it's different when a Jordy Nelson has got me thrown in the ball. It's different when Randall Cobb's got me thrown in the ball. Uh, it's maybe a different motivation when some of these guys go elsewhere. You know, it, it is different to, to move to a new team. And, yeah, some of those decisions would have been different, but maybe bringing back a JP for – you know, $3 million in a one-year deal when he really desperately wanted to re retire as a Packer might have been a good thing to do. Maybe letting Jordy play another season here, you know, who knows what would have happened, him mentoring Tay and, and allowing him to take the mantle of the, of the number one receiver and, and how the locker room could see that humility and be inspired by it. I think that's often uh, not given enough credence is how important that is you know veterans leading by example um, by their attitude how they conduct themselves and how they show the younger guys how to be a professional and to me that's worth something might not be worth nine million a year which which Jordy was scheduled to make that season but he was willing to take a pay cut way down and I think it would have been worth it to keep guys like that or Charles Woodson you know Charles wanted to take a pay cut as well um, to stick around, and he obviously still played at a high level when he left. He made a Pro Bowl in Oakland, and and not to mention, 70% uh, Charles Woodson is, you know, a, an incredible player for us. Just what he brings from a leadership standpoint, from a professionalism, toughness, you know, being able to be a part of conversations like that, I feel like I have a unique perspective. So, Aaron, what do you, what do you hope changes out of all this, whether it is cultural within the organization, letting players know how they should be treated. Do you, do you hope to inflict some sort of uh, change or difference that's that's bigger than you? I mean, I wouldn't say inflict. I don't know if that's the right, the right word I, I want to use. Um, inspire. Um, like I said to Spoon, you know, I do have a unique perspective on things, and I've been around a long time. And as I've talked to some other older players around the league, I think this is how it goes. You know, you, you get a little bit older, you see some of dysfunction in organizations, and you either move on or try and help uh, foster some change. And that's all I, I wanted to do because I love this organization and, and I love being a Packer and I've enjoyed my time here. Um, but I can be used as a pseudo-consultant because I know this place. I know this building. I, I know the people that work here. I know what helps it, uh, what helps it go. And when you're a quarterback, you hear a lot of, a lot of shit. You know, you hear it from... Uh, what's going on around the building and it gives you the ability to see kind of things as they are and to to help foster a culture of inclusion and cohesion and connectedness that helps you you win because as I said it's the people that win championships it's the coaches it's the players that win championships and in the organization, everybody in the organization benefits from that. And we all went together. But 
It's the people to get it done, and I just want to be a part of people decisions. So, Eric, if you, can, if you can inspire that change in the culture, do you see a path where you can still finish your career playing only for the Packers? And you, if you can see that change, do you want to still play your entire career if you can see that change? Yeah, that's a tough question to ask, to, to answer. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I'm definitely not closing the door on anything. Um, I'm always optimistic in, uh, in the ability to change. Um, I would never want anybody to give up on me. And, and I feel like I've made a lot of changes over the years to try and improve myself, both as a person, as a teammate, as a player. Um, and I, I'm always going to be optimistic um, in, in change being possible. Um, but, you know, Darren Perry said a quote one time, which has always stuck with me, and he said, uh, you can't motivate people, but you can inspire people. And true motivation ultimately comes from within. So people have to be willing uh, to make those changes. Aaron, going from certain retirement to beat all in for a season seems like a big step. To you? I was going to say, am I overstating that, or are you making it sound easy? Is it possible to make it soft? Yeah, you know, I don't want to overblow it. Uh, I definitely took my mind uh, to that scenario and sat with uh, those feelings and what it what it would feel like and um, what that would look like uh, all the while working out. I mean, as you saw on, uh, you know, Dave's Instagram, like I was, you know, obviously still working out and, and proactive and, and getting ready uh, to play. But there were things I needed to do and conversations I needed to have um, to put myself in the right uh, headspace to be able to come back here and to be 100% in, which my teammates, the organization expects, and I expected myself. And I wouldn't be here if I wasn't 100% all in. All right, we're going to have to take a couple from Zoom to finish this up. Go ahead, Sarah. Uh, we'll start at 10 a.m. morning. Uh, hey, Eric. You uh, talked about this today, and you've spoken very eloquently on this in the past. With all this gone and said and done to this point, as we sit here in late July 2021, what does it mean to you to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers? But Tim, it's still an honor. It, it's still uh, something I'm very proud of. Um, you know, I did see something about uh, Farvey and, and Bart playing 16 here, and this is obviously number 17, so there's something special about that. I've been here a long time. I've seen a lot of change in personnel and, and people and the building and the fields and the uh, Hall of Fame and pro shop and cafeteria twice, weight room. You know, it's been... It's been fun to be a part of the change. A lot of times, like at Cal, you move on and then everything gets better. It's been fun to see the facilities uh, and, and, and everything get better and, and be able to be the quarterback here and see the south and north end zones, the way they got built up, and, and adding 8,000 fans to Lambeau. It's been fun to be a part of all the, all the growth and those things. Um, but, yeah, this, is, this has always been a special thing for me to be the quarterback here, and I'm really thankful. Uh, to be back here for a 14th season as a starter. Chris Roth. Hey, Aaron. Uh, there's going to be this perception now that every time a roster decision is made, how much input or non-input did you have? How much responsibility is on you to kind of keep that distraction to a minimum so that it doesn't 
fester all season long and, and maybe distract this team from its goal? Chris, I don't see that as a distraction because I don't expect uh, to be a part of those discussions. So um, I'm, I'm happy that Randall Cobb is here, and that's definitely something that I was was hoping would happen, but uh, I don't see that being a distraction. And last one for Zoom, Lance Allen. Aaron, you mentioned the key word, chemistry, and you know as well as anybody that, you know, you got to bond with the guys in the locker room and, and uh, some call football the ultimate team game. Um, how, how do you bond with guys? I know a lot of guys have your back, but how do you prevent it from being an us versus them mentality in the front office and just go about your business and accomplish your goal? Well, I think there's, as I've seen over the last 16 years, there's different things that motivate guys. I think expiring contracts is definitely one of them. I think you've seen it many, many times over the years. Guys come into a contract year and they show up a little bit different, body a little bit different, focused a little bit different. So I'm not worried about those guys, um, you know, who have contracts that run out. You know, guys like uh, MBS and obviously Devontae and uh, Bobby Tunyon and um, you know some of those guys who have uh, in the last year of their deal. Um, I, I know they'll be motivated. Um, it, it's just it's about uh, the staff and and the players getting ready to. Uh, you know, to be ready for a season here, I think in 47 days or so, playing a game. So this is what training camp's all about, and we'll uh, we'll get after it the best we can. All right, thank you, Aaron. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. Well, this is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You have been listening to Aaron Rodgers speaking, addressing the media for the first time since, like I say, all, all this stuff broke out during the off season. I have one word. One word to describe what we've heard over the last 40 minutes. That word would be, wow. All right, when we come back, we'll summarize it. We'll open up the phone lines, get your reaction to what you've heard over the course of the last 40 minutes. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, Aaron Rodgers for the last 30, 35 minutes answering questions openly, giving his perspective on what has been going on, your reaction to what you heard. Let me just kind of give you a quick summary. He he talked about how after the season ended, February, he wanted to be more involved in conversations about his, his job. He was upset that the Packers hadn't retained players that he thought were key to the organization. He said these were high-character guys who were not respected, and um, he was saddened by the way the Packers treated him. Interestingly, in, in one of the follow-up conversations that one of the writers said, he said, well, you know, a lot of these guys that they let go, they, you know, probably it was a smart move. They, they went on to be paid a lot of money, and they underperformed and things like that. And Roger said, well, maybe if they'd been here and I'd been throwing the ball, they, they wouldn't have underperformed. Um, he said he wanted a commitment for the 2021 season and beyond, didn't want to be a lame duck quarterback, and wanted to be involved in conversations regarding free uh, agents. He said that um, he's passed along information in the past that he felt hadn't been used. He wanted to be a recruiter. He says people are coming to Green Bay to play with me. It says, by March, 
nothing had really changed, and his thinking was, if I'm not a part of the future, let's move on. He says after the draft, the Packers offered him money. Um, he said this wasn't about money. He said he wanted to be a resource. Um, he said, look, he thought maybe there'd be a conversation about extending his contract, you know, guaranteeing him that he'd have the job beyond 2021. He said that didn't happen until May. He says nothing happened during the summer. He was deciding if he wanted to keep playing. Um, thought about retirement. Um, enjoyed taking some time to work on himself, but he felt that, you know, he still had a big competitive hole to fill. Doesn't know if he'll be a Packer next year. Um, things haven't changed. Uh, he wants to, re- if things haven't changed, he wants to revisit the conversation at the end of the year. He did say a couple times he doesn't consider himself a victim. He's been paid a lot of money. He said it's a tough business. He just wants to go ahead and enjoy this season. Um, he says that, um, the organization, you know, he said, it is, if he could summarize it, he says the organization wants him to play. He thinks he should have more input, thinks he should be in conversations at a higher level. Yeah, he says, if you're going to cut a receiver, you should include me in the conversation. Um, that that's He thinks that he should have input in that. Um, and you kind of get the idea. He said that, you know, he, he was not responsible for a number of the leaks about this. Um, he said he wants to be involved in the conversations. He believes he could be used as a pseudo consultant. Um, all right. I, I'm kind of summarizing that. Uh, it, it's very, very clear to me that he's not, <laughs> you know, no, no matter how you paper this over, he's still got significant issues with the Packers organization and he's not shy about sharing them. I, I said wow because I, I've heard a lot of press conferences involving, you know, sports figures, you know, over the years. And a lot of times when you have the press conferences, the, the players go out of the way to say absolutely nothing, to just say kind of nothing and, no, we're all happy and this stuff was all blown, overblown and things like that. That's not what Roger said. Rogers, I think, kind of laid out his perspective in great detail. So 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, this is obviously one of the biggest, if not the biggest story, certainly in Wisconsin today. But let's let's turn this program into a little bit of a town hall for a segment or two. Your reaction to what you heard from the reigning National Football League most valuable player, Aaron Rodgers. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Jeff in Oconomowoc. Jeff, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I love listening to you because you are one of one of a few honest media person, and that's why I like talking to you. So, thank you. I just want to say I I believe Aaron was speaking from his heart, and that uh, I I get his point on he knows the personnel so well, all the players, every player he knows well. He's in the locker room with them. He, as he stated, he knows the people that take care of the gym. He he gives an effort to talk to people, where where some some people might think they're too too high that they mm-hmm. shouldn't be talking to a guy that cleans the gym and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And just his insight, I understand uh, business that uh, the guys on top make business decisions, but I also worked at a plant, a huge plant. And when we got a new plant manager that made it his point to come down into the plant every day, and he, he met me once 
and I told him my name. He came back about three, four weeks later, and he remembered my name and every person that he met Mm -hmm. because he wanted to get a feel from the people how things were going, and and it could help him make a business decision. Okay, Jeff. Well, let me ask you. Let me. And I appreciate what you're saying. Let me. Let's take your example though. Let's say. Let's say at that company you worked for, they, they've got to do. They, they're, they're thinking about getting rid of five guys that are working on on your shift. Do you think yes. that he should call you in that plant manager and say, Jeff, I'm thinking of getting rid of Bill and Frank and Harry and and Louise here. What do you think <laughs> about that? <laughs> I mean, no. okay. No, that would be wrong. He should be there, and he should see how these Bill and Mary or whatever work. And if he sees that maybe their motivation uh, descended after, because he would right. get to know these people, and then he could make his decision. Yeah, if if people aren't motivated anymore, you need somebody in there that's motivated. Right. And and all Aaron Rodgers said was he didn't want to be in on the decision making. He wanted to just give his insight. Right. Being with the experience that he had. Just ask. So, yeah, just, just ask. Like no, got it. Thanks for the call, Jeff. I want to get to some other calls, but before we have to take a break. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I understand it's, I, I mean, that that's what, what Aaron Rodgers said is he would have liked to have been consulted. He would have liked to have been given input before, you know, you, you cut a, a particular player. Uh, and I guess I, I wonder what that means if, if you're invited to offer input and then that input is, is ignored. Does that create the same issue? But I don't know. 855-616-1620. Let me take a quick break. We're, we're going to continue this. Your, and I, I want to leave this open-ended because it is a sincere question. Your reaction to what Aaron Rodgers had to say. It was a press conference by an athlete like, um, like no other that I have heard. Back with more in just a couple minutes. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Diane, Diane, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Love your show. Thank you. Um, I I agree. This press conference was a wow, and Aaron Rodgers is a real jewel, and I think the Packers should be just you know, so happy that he's he's back uh, and giving this press conference. Uh, my late husband and I knew the, know the Packers from way back with Paul Horning and right. uh, Bart Starr and Vince Lombardi. And, you know, I've watched some amazing football over the years. But Jordy Nelson and uh, Aaron were from another world when they were out there playing the game and on. But at the and, same time, Diane, I, I mean, the, a- at the same time, you know, after they cut Jordy Nelson, he went to Oakland and had a lousy season and, and was let go. I Nothing mean, it, to do with it. Yeah, Jeff, there's no comparison because you're talking about Green Bay, you're talking about a special relationship, extraordinary that Aaron and Jordy had over the years, and he could watch what he did in pressure situations. Mm -hmm. And they had this connection, and there's no way to fake it. I mean, it takes years of experience, uh, friendship, and trust, and you, you know, flip somebody to another team, and you don't get that, uh, 
that level. Okay, There's no got, way. Got okay, thanks so. for the call, Diane. I'm, I'm going to try to get as many calls as we possibly can. Got to take a, a very quick break. Your reaction to the Aaron Rodgers press conference, and you know, is he asking too much? Is it a workable situation? Um, <laughs> how do you think the general manager and team president, Mark Murphy, feel after hearing that? Back with more in just a couple minutes. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're discussing your reaction to the Aaron Rodgers press conference, which I will tell you is unlike any press conference I've heard conducted by an athlete maybe ever okay here's a text jeff in essence if you read between the lines aaron Rodgers wants to have the say to be able to keep the players who are his buddies even brett Favre, in an interview said he didn't want to be in the draft room and he added that ron wolf would have kicked him out of the room if he had asked the inmates really shouldn't be running the asylum all right. Now, in contrast, Cindy says, Jeff, he changed my mind. I thought he was an egotistical quarterback, but now I give him a lot of credit for not airing the grievance in the media. He wasn't asking to be a decision maker like was portrayed by the media. He just wanted to be able to add his input. He's been there 18 years. He's back to play. He's been working all along. Wants a Super Bowl. Um, 855-616-1620. That's the Iconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess... That's that's sort of the question of what what is Aaron Rodgers really, really saying? Is he saying that, gee, I I just I want to be able to offer my my input and then whatever decisions people make is okay, Or I I want him to keep Jordy Nelson or I want him to keep this guy. I want him to keep that guy. Um, And and again, I I, I wrestle with the, the dynamic of that. For example, if my producer were to leave, I mean, I've been here for 23 years. I think it would be nice if station management were to come to me and ask me, hey, you know, what, what are you looking for in a producer and what do you think about the, the qualities of somebody new? That that would be one thing. On the other hand, I don't expect to be the one that makes that hiring decision. So I, I don't know exactly, you know, what input Aaron Rodgers thinks he should have. If he thinks he should be the general manager, that, that just doesn't work. If he thinks he'd like to be consulted, well, I, I mean, you can kind of understand that. All right, your reaction, 855-616-1620. Bob and Eagle. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. First-time caller. Thanks. Um, just you talk about jaw-dropping there. That was a press conference right there. It, it, that was a, you, so you don't disagree with my assessment of wow. That's, that was my note. I was listening to wow. Well, my, my wife and I are sitting here listening to this, and I listen to a lot of talk radio, a sports talk, and uh, he's coming, he's not coming. I hear this, I hear that. Um, but the beautiful mystery, I think, is over. He just laid that on the line, and if we could get the GM and the president to answer questions like Rogers answered there, I think we, we, we'd have a lot of things solved here. And I know, understand that they can't always do that, but that, that guy's heart, if no one thought of anything different about Rogers after that mm-hmm. press conference, that guy's heart is in this Green Bay. And It sounds I've to me, Bob, been, like there, there's certainly, I mean, clearly there, there is still a rift between Packers management, not the teammates and not necessarily the coach, but the upper management and Rodgers. Do you think that can ever be put back together again? Oh, boy, I don't know. But um, in, in business, when you get your employees to, to want to buy in to the product that, that you're producing, 
it really, I think, makes a better atmosphere. Is it done? Uh, man, I don't know if we can patch this up. But he laid it on the line. Oh, he laid it on the line. wants to say. Yeah, no, thank, no you're right. He, he laid it on the line. Like I say, you listen to a lot of these press conferences after there's been well, a contract dispute. That's how you see it. Or somebody's, somebody's held out and then they come back and it's all, it's all lovey dovey. And, you know, yeah, I'm, you know, we, we, we've settled this and this stuff was all overblown. You, you do listen to that press conference and, and you, you, you get the idea that, well, that, that it wasn't all, all lovey dovey. And, you know, Rogers gets credit for, for being honest ab- about his perspective on this. You know, from the team's perspective, I, I'm sure, it would be interesting to hear from from a Mark Murphy or from the general manager as to what role they think that that they have. You know, when, I mean, look, I, I I've never played professional football. I've never been around football players. I'll, I all I know is I, I watch that Hard Knocks thing on HBO, and you can see, you know, they take the cameras and they go into the the rooms where they're getting ready to make the cuts and stuff, and, and they show some of the coaches having these different discussions. I, I don't know how practical it is to I don't know invite. The players, or or even a star player, and look, and I and I understand that Aaron Rodgers, you know, deserves different treatment than say, you know, the guy that's just made the team. I, I get it. I just don't know in the business of pro football how practical it is to you know go to a couple players and and give them input, whatever that means, over, over roster decisions. And again, Rogers is saying, hey, I, I want to kind of be a facilitator and I want to argue on behalf of some people who I, I thought were really good locker room presences and things like that. 855-616-1620. I just don't know how that works in the real world, uh, or at least as close as professional football is to the real world. Mike on the Northwest Side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Uh, hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Um, yeah, I listened to some of the Aaron Rodgers interview, and he's he's got a legitimate point. You know, he should be listened to or consulted to. He knows the guys that he connects with. I'm going back to Jordy Nelson, who ran the long ball to the end zone all the time mm-hmm. and came back uh, to the huddle after the huddle was already done. Rodgers looked at him; he already knew the next play while I was talking to him. Sure. So he knows who he's playing. He knows who he's playing with, and uh, he has guys that he connects with and. I think upper management should listen to him a little bit more. I think he's kind of been like uh, left out of the conversation in a way. At, at the same and time, Mike, uh, does, does management have have okay Aaron Rodgers or, or, or any star of any organization, but like Aaron Rodgers, yes, he he has an interest in. Hey, I, I like throwing the ball to Jordy Nelson. He he's had so he used the other examples of players too, but we use you Jordy Nelson. Does the at the same time, that that's his interest in, in having Jordy Nelson around, his buddy, the guy that catches the passes. Does the organization have a, a bigger concern? Like, okay, h- how much money can we spend for Jordy Nelson? Um, you know, does that mean we can't spend money on on somebody else? I mean, is at at what point in time who who has to end up making those decisions? Well, I think back and forth, management has the upper hand, but uh, it seems to me that from the conversation that he's had. They're not listening to anything he has to say. I yeah, think that's, upper management always wins. Yeah. Okay. No. Thanks. No. No. Thanks. Well, I mean, right. I, I do. If you listen to him, you're you're right. It gets him. He's saying I'm I'm not even able to offer my input now. I, I just to me from a management perspective, I mean, I just don't think that management can consult with players or even a star player like Aaron Rodgers. I don't. I I think they have concerns and issues. You know, beyond. 
a bigger picture issue than than like one talk show host or or one particular player has. Now I think you know anybody to feel valued, you'd like the organization to ask you for your input. And I guess that's the one of the things I don't understand. Rogers is saying that, that he was never even asked for his input on stuff, which strikes me as being bizarre. It it's one thing to have to be asked your opinion. At the end of the day, it, it's. It's the general manager. It's the team president. It's the vice president. It's whatever. That's that's who has to make the decision. Let's talk to, um, let's see, Jim in Milwaukee. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Good afternoon. Well, wow, indeed. And <laughs> yeah. kudos to Aaron Rodgers for being so honest and transparent. Yeah. I think many of us after today can relate to his position the way that you did before with your role uh, and your experience at your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, for me, as someone who's been a high-performing store manager, having input, not necessarily the final say, but input in who gets hired at my store means a lot to me. But ultimately, the main thing that only that surprised me today, I think Aaron Rodgers wants to be a coach himself someday. Hmm. That's what I actually kind of gathered out of this. You know, that could be part of why he wants that type of experience in the back end. Now, he's obviously a very brilliant man, and I believe he owns a part of the Bucks. you know, right? And mm-hmm. uh, his uh, uh, performance and consistency, I think it certainly earned him the right, uh, you know, to be given whatever he wants. But I do think after today that a part of him is looking ahead after mm-hmm. his career. And if he wants to be a coach somewhere, I tell you what, I wouldn't mind him being a, you know, <laughs> coach for the Packers someday. So it really, you know, the Packers themselves need to look, you know, more ahead than just what his current contract is. If this man wants to stay in Green Bay, whether it's as a quarterback or a coach someday, I think we really need to keep him happy. I'd right. love to have him here as long as possible in any role possible. Thanks for the call, Jim. You know, it, it's interesting. It, I, there are some exceptions, and people will, I'm sure, point them out. But in general, Superstar players don't don't translate well into coaches. And again, there there are there are there are a handful of exceptions. I think part or, or baseball managers or whatever. I, I think part of it is because they have trouble working with players that aren't as good as them. You know, and they have these various expectations that people can't live up to. I'd have to think about that. I guess I. When, when Aaron Rodgers retires, my guess is coaching is not going to be in his future. And I'm not making any judgment about whether or not I think he'd be a good coach or a great coach or a bad coach or whatever. I just, I, I suspect he's, my guess is he's going to be doing different things. All right, we're going to take some more calls. Back with you in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Updates on your Wisconsin athletes, the latest medal count, check-ins from Tokyo, and so much more. We're your home for in-depth coverage of the summer games. News Radio 620 WTMJ. Let's talk for a minute about our friends at Midwest Heating and Cooling. Midwest Heating and Cooling is a leader in ductwork cleaning because they do it right. Beware of the discounted duct cleaning. As we all know, you get what you pay for. When you contact Midwest, you really do get the best. It's time to breathe healthy air and get the gunk out of those ducts. Starting at $550, Midwest uses specialized truck-mounted vacuum. It's like using the power of 500 Dysons. Look, it's time to say goodbye to allergens in your home. Learn more at Midwest hvacpro.com get in touch with them schedule your duct cleaning do it today back to take your calls here's wtmj's jeff wagner 
All right, let me just share with you two texts that came in kind of back-to-back, which represents this sort of different views of this, and are kind of reflective. I'd say our our texts are sort of split 50-50. Jeff, this press conference just tells us Rogers wants to win, and he wants to help any way he can. Go Pack. The second text, Jeff, this was a display of narcissism, unlike anything I have ever seen. <clears throat> okay, let's talk to um, Chuck in Wauwatosa. Hi, Chuck. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. I'm sitting. Yeah, I'm good. I'm sitting out here with my uh, my service team. I started a company that now has uh, over 150 employees, and. I can tell you, you've got to listen to your teammates. You've got to listen to them. You've got to communicate with them. You've got to keep them informed. And after hearing that press conference, my attitude totally shifted on Aaron. I think that's what he's asking for. He's asking us to get into the 21st century and start operating like a team needs to operate. Coaches and teams need to communicate. I mean, I, I, I don't think my my service truck guys would want to, would want to be just handed off to another receiver you know they want to they want to meet the guy they want to know and if, and if we're pulling them that they're part of that decision at least they know about it and they, they're you got to keep communication open that's How the do, way business is done that's the way teammates need to develop and if you're the president the of the packers learn. mark if you're the president of the packers mark murphy how are you feeling right now i'm feeling that i just got a real good lesson handed to me <laughs> I, I, I i had a lesson in communication handed to me by aaron Rodgers, one of my very sharp quarterbacks. Got it. Do you think they can, I mean, I, I use the example of, you know, Humpty Dumpty falling off the wall and you, 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 you can't put him back together again. Do you think a relationship like this, that obviously, I mean, there, there's still all sorts of issues. Do you think something like this can be salvaged or is this the really the last dance for Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay? I think they need to communicate and I think everything, you know, can be negotiated and salvaged. I think that's why Aaron's there. I think uh, he's he's there to to make the packs a better place. I mean, he knows everybody in that organization. He made a point of letting us know that he knows everybody in that organization. He knows the very walls and how it was built, the eight thousand seats that were right. added. And I think he wants to be a part of that for 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 his legacy. He okay. wants to make it his legacy. That's what I hear. When he comes out uh, to play the first regular season game, whenever that is, in early September, what, what's the reaction going to be? Is it going to be 80,000 people cheering him? Is it going to be mixed? What do you think? I think after that press conference that Aaron Rodgers just gave, it's going to be people mixed, mixed, but people, if they listen to that, should be cheering him. Got it. Because I think he's, he, he I, I really do. I think they should be cheering him. And, I, and, I, and he is. You know, he's, he, he is one of the best, right? right. So, oh. Or he is the best. And, and uh, so he's got, a right to have a, he's got a right to have a voice, and he mm-hmm. wanted to make sure his voice was heard. Yep, no, got in it. In this organization. Got it. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, Chuck. Uh, let's talk to, uh, let's see, Josh in Wauwatosa. Josh, you're on WTMJ. Hello. I, I have to admit, I still have a high about the Bucks, but looking <laughs> forward to the Packers and the Hey, don't um, forget the Brewers. Brewers are ahead by yeah, seven well, games. They win first, yeah. they got to win a championship first. If they fall apart, it's oh, don't even talk like that. Don't even talk like that, Josh. Okay, okay. Well, no, neg- no negative waves on the on this portion of the program. <laughs> what do you think about Aaron Rodgers? Um, so 
I have to admit, I was becoming pretty disillusioned with the Packers. I'm surprised everyone supports management. I would argue they wasted 30-plus years of two of the greatest quarterbacks with really horrible decisions. So I, at this point, I don't want decades of rebuilding. You have to win now. If I A friend brought up an interesting point. Brady picked his team, and they won mm-hmm. in Tampa. That's, that's yeah. so... I, you know, we're going to be the Packers might be bad for thirty years after Rodgers leaves. So, I mean, it's a cost benefit if you want my opinion. Got it. No, I do. Thanks, thanks for call. I mean, I, look, I, I'm, I'm going to say this about the Packers organization. It, it's it, it's not like while well, they've they've only won one Super Bowl in the last uh, eleven years, and there's only been what one Super Bowl during Rodgers' tenure. A, at the same time, it, it's not. It's not like this organization has been, oh, the Cleveland Browns or something like that. I mean, they've, they've won a, a lot of games. Now, you can say that, you know, maybe they should have made one personnel decision or done this or done that or the other to, to get over the hump. And, and, and you know, th- th- that's, that's all well and good. But it's, it's not like it's been a debacle. And, I mean, obviously, the people in the front office have been doing something right. And, and Aaron Rodgers certainly has a role in that. I, I think, I think he, acquitted himself well in the press conference, and I think he, he probably changed a number of people's minds about this. If I'm the Packers brass, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how I feel. And, and again, I don't, I'm not sure. It sounds like to me that you have a lot of hard feelings, certainly still existing on Aaron Rodgers' part, and my guess is there's hard feelings on the part of, of management as well. <laughs> Winning will solve a lot of problems. If they get off to a great start and have a great season, I think a, a lot of this stuff probably goes away. If they don't, well, then we're probably going to be revisiting it for the next six months. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Two court decisions today. One predictable, the other not. Uh, Stephen Avery. People will remember Stephen Avery. He was convicted in 2007 of the murder of Teresa Hallback in 2005. And it was an incredibly high-profile case. Back then, I, I can remember, I was on TV on like a daily basis doing sort of expert legal analysis on the case. In my opinion, having watched the trial on almost a daily basis, uh, there, there's no question in my mind that, that the jury did the right thing and that Stephen Avery was guilty, as you know what, of, of the murder. The, the case got new attention in 2015 when Netflix came out with this, uh, I, I don't even call it a documentary, it was it was a series called Making a Murderer that um, yeah, decided for whatever reason that they were going to take the evidence that was presented at trial color it in the light most favorable to Stephen Avery, and then ignore a lot of other evidence that was out there to try to create the impression that maybe Avery wasn't guilty. Well, it, it's if, if you, again, were around and followed that trial, there's no question at all, at least in my mind, that Stephen Avery is guilty as hell, and he's where he belongs, and he was responsible for the murder. But he became, because of making a murder, and because there's some people who didn't have an opportunity to watch the daily flow of the trial and just watch this documentary. And again, it's not really a documentary. It's closer to like a fictional miniseries. But, oh, this is terrible, and the police set him up. And, and maybe some people that feel that way are predisposed to distrust the police. But again, if, if you watched the trial and you knew some of the people involved, what 
you, there, there's no question justice was in fact done. Well, in any event, since his conviction in 2007, Avery has been filing one appeal after another after another. I mean, it's not like he's going anywhere. And they, they keep trying to like get a new trial or whatever. Uh, state appeals court this morning issued a, a ruling, um, again, denying his latest effort to get his conviction overturned. Appeals court found that the allegations in his latest motion insufficient to entitle him to an evidentiary hearing. And um, bottom line is that there will be other appeals. I mean, like I say, Stephen Avery's in prison for, for life, and he's got a dedicated group of followers who believe that there is some degree of injustice in this. And I'm sure there will be new filings, but at least as of today, the latest one has been shot down, and that's clearly the correct decision. There was another ruling, which I confess surprised me, in part because I don't believe it's ever happened before, and secondly, because it's, um, I, I think, go- going to result in something that's going to cause a lot of trouble, but it's going to ultimately go nowhere. Um, Joseph Mensa, who, of course, is the former Wauwatosa police officer who was involved in in three separate shootings over the course of five years. Each of those shootings was reviewed by the district attorney, John Chisholm, and in all cases, each different shooting, Chisholm made a finding that there was no basis to issue criminal charges. In addition, the U.S. Attorney's Office, federal prosecutors, looked at the various cases and reached the same conclusion, that there was no basis to issue criminal charges. Well, people involved in the like the anti-Mensa cases um, have continued to try to pursue this issue. And the family of one of the, the perpetrators, one of the people that was shot by by Joseph Mensa, Jay Anderson, um, they went to circuit court and they tried to invoke an extremely rarely used provision of state law, which says that if a DA is either unable to or refuses to issue charges, a, a judge, if a judge finds that probable cause exists to issue the charges, the judge can appoint a special prosecutor. And there have been a series of, of hearings conducted over the last few months. And uh, this morning, the circuit court judge, Glenn, Jam- Glenn Yamahiro, found, oh, I, I think he disagreed with the federal authorities. He disagreed with the um, state authorities. And he said, okay, I, I, I find there's probable cause to believe that there might have been criminal behavior on the part of Mensa in the shooting of Jay Anderson Jr. This was the one where um, Mensa comes upon him while he's sleeping in a car in a park in Wauwatosa. And Mensa's story is the guy had a gun next to him and he reached for the gun. And that's why he shot. So anyhow, the, the judge has found there to be probable cause. I do not know that there is another situation in state of Wisconsin history where a circuit judge has overruled a district attorney and disagreed with a U.S. attorney and recommended criminal charges against a police officer. I'm not saying it's never happened, but I don't think it has ever happened. So what happens now? Well, the judge will appoint a special prosecutor to review the case and to presumably issue charges. And then then there'll be a criminal complaint that's drafted, and then Mensa will appear in court, and then you, you go from there. So this this is a very, very unique step. Let me just say this at the beginning. I think that there is almost no chance that 
Joseph Menso will be convicted, that is, found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of criminal activity. Now, there's all sorts of questions now about whether the judge in this case had conflicts of interest or whatever. Don't even go into that. But um, I guess... All I would say here is this is a very, very unique thing, and and yes, there will be charges presumably that will be issued, but probable cause is a much different standard than proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, I know that there were people in the courtroom who applauded this today and all. All all I'm saying is, and you can mark the tape for today, whatever the day of July is, which July 28th, whenever this matter finally resolves itself through a trial, and it will be a trial, and it might take a year or however long, do not be surprised if do not be surprised if the jury that ultimately hears this case comes back and finds there's no no proof beyond a reasonable doubt that Joseph Mensa has committed a crime. Just telling you, that's where it's going to happen, at least in my opinion. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. A couple of texters raise a very, very interesting point. Now, like I say, Joseph Mensa, a certain a Milwaukee County Circuit Court judge recommends charges be issued against him. Now, this comes after the district attorney's office made a determination no charges were appropriate. The U.S. Attorney's Office declined charges, but the the judge is directing he will hire a he will appoint a special prosecutor, and the special prosecutor will be tasked with the chart with the withdrawing up criminal charges against Mensa. That's not going to happen for a while. I mean, first of all, you have to appoint a prosecutor who agrees to do it, and the prosecutor has to review the evidence, then the prosecutor has to bring charges if he, in fact, if the prosecutor looks at it and disagrees with the judge, I'm not exactly sure where you go. You're in uncharted territory. Again, my, my assessment of this case early on is there is no way, no way that you prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And candidly, this whole process it's very, very discouraging and kind of disturbing because, by the way, the the attorneys for Mensa were not allowed to question any of the witnesses at these these various hearings. They, they weren't able to cross-examine an expert, for example. And so the, the, the bottom line of all this is I, I think for anybody who thinks there's going to be a conviction here – I, I, I wouldn't count on that. But one of the interesting things, and I honestly don't know the answer to it, is that after Joseph Mensah left the Wauwatosa Police Department and he reached a settlement and he, he resigned, um, he, he was hired and, to my understanding, continues to work in Waukesha County as a sheriff's deputy. Um, and I somebody was saying, okay, well, what – if and when charges are issued, like I say, charges have been have not been issued. The judge has made this finding, and my guess is if charges happen, it's, it's several weeks away. But somebody was saying, well, what, what does this do to the guy's job in Waukesha, and, and what are they going to do? And my honest answer is I don't know. We are clearly in uncharted territory. What do you do in a situation where you have been cleared by authorities – where the DA in Milwaukee County and the U.S. Attorney's Office have found no basis to bring criminal charges, and now several years later, a judge disagrees with the decision that the elected officials or the appointed officials have made. How does that impact your your current job status? And my honest answer is, I I don't know, but that's um, that that's clearly one of the questions that's that's out there. And I guess, like I say, we are in uncharted territory. Although for people who are applauding this judge's ruling to Today. I don't don't be surprised if when all is said and done, 
you you see a jury decide that there's not evidence of guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, which I think the conclusion that both the district attorney and the U.S. attorney um, reached, no way you can prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. But nevertheless, Joseph Menso will continue to be back in the news for at least the next year or so would be my guess. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, what was that college reading word that the uh, meteorologist used at the start of your newscast? It's derecho? called a derecho. Derecho, mm-hmm. right. And that means? It is a straight-line, strong wind yeah. that has to go for over 200 miles in right. length, in right. length, and have winds over fifty-eight miles an hour. Very good. <laughs> Look at the big brain on Melissa. Well, Absolutely. I, say, no, I, that... I do know a little bit about derechos because um, I, I'm from Iowa right. originally, grew up there, and a derecho went through Iowa about a year ago and really just blew the state in certain areas apart. It really, it, I really hope we don't get that derecho. Right, and it's, be, it's and, and it's different than a hurricane. Yes. and not than hurricane. It's different than a tornado because a tornado. The winds swirl, and they're yes. going in multiple directions. This is just like a big, giant, straight and windstorm. One hundred percent, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, this together with phrases, whether phrases like polar vortex and derecho. I, I, I hope this is one that we do not have to bring up tomorrow. Oh, That's my, my sincere wish. I really, really hope so. Yeah, I agree. And, and of course, it's you, you know, I mean, you, you just never know. All, all they're saying is that there is a a chance conditions are, are right for this. So yeah. from what I've seen of what the aftermath of a derecho looks like, it wow. looks like it's hurricanes strong as strong oh, yeah. winds as a hurricane. So, I mean, think about that inland, though. Right, inland. right. I mean, it, I was looking at some, as I've been following this and you were talking about Iowa mm-hmm. it, it, it levels cornfields and stuff like that I mean you know just you know f- forget what it does to houses and roofs and power lines and things like that but it'll, it th- those winds are strong enough to turn over trucks and decimate to stuff just, you know mm-hmm. just take take crops and stuff like that so hopefully we will not have to deal with that hey you know what starts a week this this you know you, you've been so good you've been known us all you've been really good on this stuff mm-hmm, today mm-hmm. You know what starts a week from tomorrow I'm gonna say the Wisconsin State Fair the Wisconsin State Fair are you I, I'm going to be out there John McCure out there are you here or are you out there as from well? what i understand i will be out there and i'll be doing news on your show all the way through the afternoon so we'll be together outstanding i will look forward to that i was just looking at the reports the um state fair is a little bit different this year than than before um admission and parking will be cashless mm-hmm. so what they're encouraged and uh, so they're encouraging people to like get the tickets and the parking passes and stuff in advance vendors inside the fair have the option of accepting cash as a form of payment. So it's unlike, say, at um, American Family Field, where it's, with a couple exceptions, it's almost all cashless. Um, Vendors will have the option. But to get in, to buy the tickets and buy the parking pass, you you need the credit card to do that. Good thing to remember, because when I go to state fairs and certain festivals, I like to use cash sometimes. So that's definitely a good good tip for people if they're planning to go. Right. And there's because and I give I give Kathleen O'Leary and the the organizers. I mean, you're 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 trying to put on a large scale event when we're still dealing with issues related to the pandemic. So there's there's a number of things 
that aren't going to that aren't going to be at the fair this year, like the the daily parades are going to be gone. The Milwaukee Bucks milk house isn't going to be there. Um, uh, the activity stage isn't going to be there. Um, so it, it's going to be a little bit different, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of great stuff, more than 400 vendors and all those things. So as long as they keep the grilled cheese station inside that tent, I'm good. <laughs> you're, you're a grilled cheese girl, huh? I like grilled cheese. Uh, the pork chop sandwiches. I, oh, I like. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a pork chop sandwich guy. And that's and there may be some other stuff that's bad for me, but okay, that's great news. So yes, we will be we'll out be there. Out there yes. And and I, if people are coming out to the state fair, I think I am going to be broadcasting every day. But I believe one that second Thursday there's an early Brewers game. So typically, if there's only going to be a twenty minute show, I, I don't go out there. But otherwise, I believe I'm going to be out there every day. And I have made this my my practice for the last twenty three years. That if you come by the booth and you wave, I try to come out during the commercial breaks and stuff. Drive my poor producer grew nuts because he'll be go, Jeff, you've got to do this, or Jeff, you got to do that. And he knows that I'm Aww. I'm outside, but I love the chance to uh, to see people, to, well, to interact with people, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's it's just um, it's just a lot of fun. So I really enjoy being out at the state fair. So if you're coming by, stop off, say hi to me. Stop off, say hi to Melissa. Say hi to John McCure. He'll be out there a little bit later <laughs> on as well. So state fair starts a week from tomorrow. Um, it is the, one of the happiest times of the year. All right. Let us let us turn our attention to something which is not as happy. We touched on this yesterday, and there's been a huge reaction since then. The Center for Disease Control, which changes its mind on recommendations, well, as often as some people change their socks, decided yesterday that they were going to change their recommendation on whether or not people who have been fully vaccinated still need to wear masks. And initially in May, their advice was, no, you do not have to do this if you are fully vaccinated. But they have now changed their position and they've said because of the Delta variant, even though vaccines work, Our recommendation is that those who are fully vaccinated, we recommend, should wear masks. Now, it is a recommendation, and it doesn't mean that that people have to follow this at all. Here here are the numbers. Let me kind of run through them for you, and then we'll discuss the issue. Right now in this country, there's been about 161 million people who have been fully vaccinated, 161 million people, 153,000 cases of uh, what they call symptomatic breakthrough cases. So of that 161 million, you have about 153,000 people who have gotten COVID-19 after being vaccinated. Now, in some of the cases, the they, they got it after but before like that two week waiting period like they they might have actually had covid but not known it when they got the first or the second vaccination so that that might be a little bit high but let's use the number 153,000 symptomatic breakthrough cases that means 0.098% of those fully vaccinated have gotten it in other words a very very small number by percentages as of Last week, okay, the number of vaccinated Americans who have been hospitalized because of a breakthrough COVID case, um, again, 161 million people fully vaccinated, 4,072 vaccinated Americans hospitalized. 
So I, that, that's that's zero point zero zero three percent. Your your chances, seriously, I mean, your chances of dying of a bee sting or a lightning strike are are, are about that that same as the hospitalization rate. So even if you get it after you've been vaccinated, your chances of having to be hospitalized very very slim. And of the people who have died. Again, 161 million people fully vaccinated. You have 4,072, as of last week, vaccinated Americans who had a breakthrough case who were hospitalized. Of that, 8,850 people passed away. Um, That's zero. That's point zero 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 five percent. And that really is your your chances of of dying from covid after you've been vaccinated um, are in. Are it's like dying from a bee sting or or dying from a lightning strike. So I, I bring this up because, despite what might be implied by the CDC's change, the reality is vaccines work. Vaccines are in fact effective, and if you get the vaccine, your chance of getting COVID is very very slim. And your chance of getting COVID in a bad way is almost non-existent statistically to the point of being hospitalized or dying. You, you pretty much take that off the table from a statistics number. Yet the CDC now says vaccinated, fully vaccinated people should in their recommendation is in indoor places, they should resume wearing masks. And the rationale is that even though the breakthrough cases are extremely rare, What might happen is that you might be asymptomatic. You might be one of that 0.098% of the vaccinated people who have the breakthrough case, and that you might come into contact with somebody who's not vaccinated, and you might give them COVID. So that, that kind of scenario... That is the justification the CDC uses for saying all you folks who've been vaccinated, you should nevertheless, you should start resuming the process of wearing masks. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I, I don't think that recommendation is going to be followed. I think if people want to do it individually, that that's fine. You can make that decision. But I think this is pretty much a non-starter. I think if government officials try to mandate a return to wearing masks among the vaccinated, I just don't think people are flat out going to do it. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And as I said yesterday, candidly, um, I, I think the CDC has done a huge disservice because arguably it is sending incredibly mixed messages telling people, hey, do the right thing, get vaccinated. But even if you get vaccinated, all right, we still want you to wear a mask. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, how are you going to respond to this? We discuss. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Paul in Fox Point. Paul, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Always enjoy your show. Thank Sometimes you. I disagree with you. I that's think okay. this is one of the ones where that's the case. You know, when I look at the CDC statistics that you mentioned, and I hope you continue to monitor those and to report them as time goes on, but just substantially, all the, t- all the statistics that you are, are citing are based upon non-Delta 
periods. And the vaccine. Well, no, they're they're cur- wait, no, wait, no, wait. They're they're current through the the numbers I have are current through at least July nineteenth, and so the, the Delta variant has been you, the, but the Delta d- has d- not been a significant factor through July nineteenth. Huh? Delta wasn't a significant factor As until we got through a bit midway June and into July. Well, yeah, but so right, but through July, so you're looking at the last Delta. couple of weeks. You're right, right. Delta started emerging, so right that, inc- but but it, it includes the most current numbers we have, and Delta has been the dominant strain for the last month or two at least, right? Uh, correct. Okay. Um, about the last month, I would say, not the last two, but you're going to see that statistic grow significantly. And one more thing, you know, relative to Delta, that spreads because the per- people that have it spread it at a rate of 10x what mm-hmm. they did pre-Delta. So I'm going to wear a mask, and I hope that others do, too, because those who, you know, have the, the problem are going to be less likely to spread it. But well, on the other side, well, do you, I'm going to do be you, less likely to receive it, too. Well, well, Paul, do you believe that the vaccines don't work? I believe that the vaccines were sensational relative to the original uh, problem with this COVID-19. I think they still work if they're not overwhelmed by people getting such a large exposure to the virus, the 10X factor, that initially the vaccines are overwhelmed and more people get sick than would have been from the others. Well, but I guess my thanks to call, but that's not what the CDC is saying, that the CDC is not saying that the vaccines don't protect you uh, against Delta versus the other. I mean, that's that's not what they're saying. Um, so, I mean, I guess to me, you either believe that the the vaccines work, and I, by the way, believe that the vaccines work. That's why I got vaccinated. I think people should get vaccinated. I encourage people to, to do that. I've got, I've got somebody texting me, say, oh, it's all the Republicans. No, I, I mean, again, I understand there's people who want to see this from a political perspective, but that's that's not true. If you look at... If you look at where a lot of the people who've chosen not to get vaccinated are, it's, it's for example, it's urban communities where they're primarily populated by members of minority groups who have decided for whatever reason they're not going to get vaccinated. It's young people, um, you know, particularly people under the age of 30 who think they're in, invulnerable, who really have no political ideology on the one either way. And I understand that there's some people who just, you know, can't see this in anything other than a political way. It, it's, it's a much broader issue than that because I'm here to tell you there's a lot of Republicans that are vaccinated as well. So if you've got that myopic view, you're just flat out wrong. But the bottom line of all this is if and the, the numbers, maybe there's going to be some dramatic change in the numbers, but the CDC doesn't say that. The World Health Organization doesn't say that. They say the vaccines we are taking are effective against the against Delta and against other things. So my point is, if we're trying to encourage people to get vaccinated because you're going to be protected, well, then what message does it send? It say even if you're vaccinated, well, we, we want you to wear a mask because you could be one of the statistically extremely 
really small number of people who have one of these uh, the, these breakthroughs, and then you could infect somebody else. So in other words, you've done all the right stuff, and there's people who've decided for whatever reasons that they're not going to get vaccinated, but nevertheless, you have to continue to wear masks and take all these other precautions, even though we're telling you to get protected. Well, what's the sense of getting the vaccine? That's what I think the message is. But beyond that, if, if people want to wear masks, that that's fine. But I just think if government is going to try to mandate people who have already done the right things and gotten themselves vaccinated, if you're going to try to tell people that you now have to go back to wearing masks when you're indoors, good luck I'm saying good luck with that because I don't think people are willing to do that because people have been told you're protected if you do the right thing and get the vaccine. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.